Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It is time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above for this week. It's Monday, another week ahead of us, and it's a week that isn't necessarily one that we're going to have a lot of... Um, a lot of ups and downs with perhaps we have definitely some things going on uh but it isn't uh as crazy of a week especially because we've emerged out of the collective shadow period yay it was a heck of a shadow period if i might add um, i'm guessing many of you also uh experienced that kind of uh feeling of old things coming up from the past behaviors or beliefs or attitudes that all of a sudden were back in your face. It was mostly a collective period of time. So it was everybody that was being impacted. Uh, and this is as we see it through the Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar and Astrology. Woohoo! We are done. We are now today sitting at August 7th, which is an 11 being day. So we get out of the that shadow period at this point in time. And today we start the week with the moon in Taurus. And Taurus, of course, always uh, rules wealth and income, uh, our material resources, and all of the things that have to do with a valuing of the self, um, intrinsic value, self-worth, all of those type of things. And as well, all of the things to do with the physical realm in terms of sensuality, how we feel, how we taste things, touch things, see things, hear things, all of the physical senses coming into play. And it was just kind of interesting this morning, my attention was called to the, um, the grid on the chart that shows us where the distribution of planets are as far as elements and in how they behave, the modes of operation, if you will. And by far and away, there are more planets in earth and in fire right now than there are in air or water. There is only the uh, south node in and Ceres in air and Saturn and Neptune in water. So it feels to me when we have something missing elementally, it feels like we do a lot more work trying to get that energy expressed. So we may be spending more time in our thinking processes. We may be spending more time trying to get out a message uh, to explain things or to uh, be able to communicate in some way. We may spend more time writing or the all air things, right? All mind-oriented things, digging for information, etc. But as well, with a minority of planets in water, we may also find ourselves dealing with emotional energy and trying to understand the emotional energy that uh, is coming up for each of us in this moment in time. And that makes for an interesting beginning to the week, I believe. Uh, so good morning to those of you who are popping in already, Christine and Tom, good to see you, Debbie, good to see you, Sylvester, hello, and anybody else out there that I can't see or who hasn't checked in with us uh, with a comment, thank you for joining us this morning. So when we start with the, the week with the moon in, uh, well, first of all, the moon represents our emotions, our feelings, and our inner world, our needs, 
uh, and our intuition, right? That's what the moon represents. So every day as she passes through a part of a sign or transits from one sign into another, we have an ever-changing field of possibilities in terms of how we are going to be utilizing emotional energy or what it is that uh, we might be feeling uh, or how powerful our intuition is. And when the moon transits through the sign of Taurus, we may feel more grounded, we may feel more stable um, and practical, right? It's an earth sign. So earth brings us into the grounded nature of the world. So everything seems to take on maybe less emotion, more let's get real and let's get physical. Let's do it in the physical world, in the 3D. And of course, Taurus is an earth sign that also values stability and security and pleasure, pleasure in terms of the sensuality of it all, right? The feelings we may seek to satisfy our senses during this period of time. I just feel like, you know, today's this kind of cloudy, rainy day. And I just, every year, right around this time, we start to feel in the Pacific Northwest anyway, fall coming. And yesterday, as I was on a ferry headed out to um, San Juan Island and on the way home, seeing the trees already beginning to show the signs of fall's approach. And it just makes me want to get into candles and to, uh, you know, making comfort foods and things like that. It was so funny as I saw that because it's still warm. I mean, it's not like it's winter yet. <laughs> it's not that at all. It's just you start to sense things changing. And I'm sure that was at the point in time where I was starting to feel the moon's pull into the sign of Taurus. Now, we also find ourselves having to be more patient during a moon through Taurus. We may be subjected to some ups and downs in our emotional energy, which causes us to seek for neutral, right? Neutral in those expressions. We may also be more persistent in pursuing our goals or our um day-to-day uh, -day life. We may be more loyal in terms of our relationships and in terms of the things that we uh, find important and that we stick with. However, you know, as we always say, every sign has its high and there are also the possibility of the low expression. And in the sign of Taurus, we have to be careful for stubbornness. Remember, it's the bull digging those very powerful legs into the ground, the, the hoofs into the ground and becoming immovable, right? So we want to be aware of where it is we may be being stubborn as opposed to persistent, right? There's a difference between stubborn and pers persistent. Stubborn takes on a little bit more, it's going to be my way or the highway kind of feeling, or I'm going to stay here no matter what right? That I'm going to stick in this rut because it, I want to versus persistence, which says I'm going to stick with this because I know that as I'm applying more and more of my uh, energy to this, that more and more of it is possibly getting ready to manifest. Remember, manifesting is a very big skill of a skills, part of the skill set in Taurus. So manifesting, right? Manifesting what? the things that it is that you've been working towards or working on. Persistence versus stubbornness. Stubborn being not the positiveness. Um, also becoming resistant to change. Taurus again, right? That we're going to stay on this path. We're going to stay the course. And sometimes blinding itself to what some small little change might do in order to 
push things along, to get things going. So that we need to watch out for, as well as possessiveness. It's kind of an artifact of the scorpionic side, uh, kind of bleeding into Taurus, where there's this real love of their possessions, being possessive of certain things. Uh, but the moon in Taurus has a purpose, and its purpose is to slow us down, to help us have a time to appreciate what we have, who we are, who's in our lives, and to nurture ourselves and others. So the moon really gives us that opportunity. And as such, then, let's take a look at the human design gates that the moon will be transiting through today that kind of back this um, kind of feeling up. For one thing, the first gate it's in is the gate three. And the gate three is a gate of innocence, sort of, or newness. It also has a very inventive, I think it's called the gate of invention uh, in um, quantum human design or the gate of, uh, yeah, I think it is invention. It has this real flair of innovation. So, you know, there's the, always the little sparkles of things that, you know, we could do differently if we just step out of ourselves and do it a little bit differently. Like I, I had this interesting thing going on in my head this morning, this story about uh, what people want or don't want from me in terms of astrology and human design and all of this. And as I was listening to all of this negative self-talk in my head, I went, oh, wait, I could do this differently. Right? I could step out of this and I could do it differently, which would represent a huge change in the way that I work my business, so to speak. Um, so now I'm sit sitting here going, okay, but why would that show up for me this morning with the moon and Taurus, right? Where there's this loyalty I feel toward my clients and toward my listeners and my resistance, inner resistance to changing up what I do. And so it's, uh, it's in the field, right? It's up for all of us to take a look at how we are doing what we're doing. Is it aligned with how we could be doing it better? Is there a simpler way to do it? I think there might be, right? Simpler ways for all of the things that we get involved with. Now, that might be a, a symbol of innovation for us in our lives. So the gate three, innovation, simplicity being the better road. We don't have to be innovative in a way that complexifies everything in our lives. Now, later in the day, the moon will move into the gate 27. And the 27 is a gate called the gate of nurturing. And it's a gate where we try, where we are, you know, really taking care of others. It's others focused, but the part about it that we always forget is that there's also this need for us to nurture ourselves. We can't look outside of ourselves for other people to nurture us. We have to be responsible or accountable for our own nurturing. Thus, the name of the gate in the quantum human design is the gate of accountability. But the accountability doesn't mean like, oh, you're being irresponsible. It's not that at all. It's that each of us is accountable for our own self-nurturing and, uh, you know, balancing that with all of the things that we do for other people, right? This is also a teaching energy. It is a nurturing, like feeding and cooking for and taking care of others kind of energy. And it's the kind that can take us into doing so much for others that we forget to take care of ourselves. So remember, self-love, self-care, and then you have 
extra to give to the people around you. And then a little bit later in the day, probably toward evening for most of us, we will be in the gate 24, which is really a gratitude gate. Uh, in human design, there are a several gratitude gates. This gate we sometimes call the gate of blessings. It's actually in traditional human design called the gate of rationalization. So it's a tricky and it's a tricky gate. Let's just put it that way. It's tricky, 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 because on one hand, we have this um, sort of conditioned energy around rationalizing why things are the way they are, uh, why we don't deserve to have more or better, um, why we compromise um, our desires or our own self-care because I've got to run, 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 take care of everybody else. And uh, that rationalization then can be cause for a whole lot of mental anxiety as we then keep trying to get things done, trying to go, go, do, do, do. Where if we had just taken maybe, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of self-care, whether that's meditation or maybe it's a little bit longer period of time and doing some yoga or whatever it is that would support you first and then taking care of others and then applying gratitude to all of that, we would have a different uh, view of our role in the world and what we're doing. So those three gates are the gates that the moon will sit in today. And then let's see, it's in Taurus also tomorrow and a little bit early, early on Wednesday morning. And then the moon will shift into Gemini uh, for the rest of the work week. So then we have a very conversational, busy mind orientation on the week. Uh, and this is already a week where we have a focus on communication and our relationships. And of course, Taurus is ruled by the planet Venus. And Venus takes us into a lot of territory to do with our relationships, with our love, money, wealth, all of those kinds of things are also coming up from the moon. And then this week we have transits of Venus that are also going to bring our focus on that. And then I was just kind of glancing up at um, the Pleiadian Earth calendar. And next week, we go through three Venus phase changes and a Venus star change. So I will bring more of that information to you later this week, probably on Friday's broadcast. And if not Friday, next Monday, uh, because Monday, uh, actually, it'll be on Friday because Saturday, or I mean, Sunday is the day that we have the Venus star change and a phase change all at the same time. So Venus, right? She's taking a lot of our focus right now and she's still in retrograde. So a lot of the things we're experiencing maybe from the past, our own fears about who we are in relationship, maybe other old relationship uh, issues coming back to the forefront. Uh, maybe, you know, things about finances and money and maybe things about your own self-worth and your worthiness to receive or to do what it is that you want to do. So we have a very big week in terms of this week and next week and literally the next week even. Venus, center stage, very important. So our relationships in a big way being amplified or being um, the spotlight, you know, shined on that. But not to be outdone, Mercury is also in on the play because he is now in his shadow period 
of the retrograde that he will go into later this month. In fact, he goes into retrograde on the 23rd of August, the same day the sun moves into Virgo. So Mercury will retrograde in Virgo and the sun will be in Virgo. So we'll have, you know, some mind altering events perhaps around that as the sun, uh, I mean, as the Mercury actually is the ruler of the sign of Virgo, but we're still not clear of Venus at that time. And of course, Mercury's also playing in this week. So we're, we're going to break it down in terms of the uh, transits that are happening that involve Venus and Mercury this week. But we really need to go back a day. So let's time travel back to Sunday, yesterday. God, it seems like yesterday was so far away, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> it was a very busy day yesterday. And uh, yesterday, there was a Sun square Jupiter uh, transit. Now that's activated before. So Saturday, maybe even last Friday, we started to feel the effects of that. The exact was yesterday. And now today we're waning uh, from that aspect, but it's still there. And we, you may still recognize what some of the impacts were. So remember Jupiter is the sign, or I mean, it's the planet of growth and expansion. He holds the place of our philosophies and our beliefs. Um, so all everything to do with religion and spirituality is in terms of the beliefs we have around those things come through Jupiter. And um, we have the sun that represents our ego, right? Our personality, who we are or who we think we are uh, in terms of the light of the sun. So when we have sun in a square, which is a challenging aspect, right? We're talking now the relationship between the sun and Jupiter yesterday and today, and maybe even a little bit into tomorrow. Um, and it's an astrological aspect that sort of indicates we have a clash between our egos or our outer world selves and our beliefs or our inner selves. And it can manifest in a couple of different ways through maybe overconfidence, um, arrogance, um, self-righteousness, although that's a, well, remember Jupiter does rule Sagittarius and that's kind of a Sagittarian trait, self-righteousness, but even intolerance. And so these would be sort of the more negative aspects, but of course, those are the ones that are amplified a titch because the square tends to bring out those things that we have to overcome or the challenges that we face. So we may be looking at different ways in which uh, we have to deal with those things within ourselves, but also in our interactions with others. Now, this is also an aspect that is a, on one level, a sort of feel good aspect because Jupiter tends to make us go big and be optimistic, right? So we may be prone to taking risks or to making promises that we can't keep. So we have to be careful in this period of time that we don't go and overdo things, that we keep um, our, our perspective, if you will, and that we don't um, get you know too far afield from what is possible and what it is that we can actually do. We may tend to be tending toward exaggeration of our abilities maybe, or of uh, our achievements, things like that. So we wanna, we think of the square as boundaries, right? The square, it, right? The symbol for the square is literally a square. So the square kind of enacting boundaries for us. So we don't wanna take risks. We don't, we wanna be able to take qualified risks 
But what we don't want to do is take risky risks. And the difference is really about what could I stand to lose or how, you know, taking a look at the perspective and the proportionality involved in what it is that you are saying that you can do or what you're committing your time to versus the pie in the sky. Of course, I can do this kind of thing. Okay. So we want to be careful. Now, there can also be great opportunities coming for each of us in terms of growth and learning. Um, but really, what we have to do in order to find those opportunities is to be open-minded. We can't close down our minds and say, oh, no, it can only happen this way. And that's the only way it's ever going to happen. We have to be able to say, okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to take a, the bigger picture look at all of this. Now, this aspect then, the sun in a square to Jupiter, uh, asks us to balance our self-expression, the sun, right? And our worldview, Jupiter, to avoid being dogmatic or reckless, right? We don't want to get into those two things. But great things can happen here. And it's interesting if we look at it through human design, this aspect through human design, uh, the sun, the bright light is at gate seven. And the gate seven is a gate of power, the power behind the throne, I like to think of it, as the power that we have when we are managing ourselves, when we are looking uh, at ourselves as the leader in our own lives, right? This is the gate of leadership from the perspective of the person that holds up the structure. So when we talk about gate seven, we're often talking about how, say, in our form of government here in the U.S., where we have a president and then we have a chief of staff and a chief of staff is really the gatekeeper. Gate seven is the gatekeeper, right? Who gets through to the head person who is the owner of their own power? And that would be you, but your inner self maybe being the gatekeeper of the outer world expression of who you are, right? Without all the huff and puff and the uh, exaggeration of yourself, um, the, the arrogance of it, more of the quiet behind the scenes. I'm the power here in my own life. And that's what the gate seven brings us. Now, Jupiter, that and that was the sun. Jupiter at the gate two in your human design, the gate two sits on the identity center. And that's that diamond that is in the center of your human design chart, if you have it with you. Um, if you have it white, it means you have an open identity center and you have issues around identity, perhaps, and lovability or self-love. If you have it defined, you have a defined sense of who you are and of what you're here to do, even if you're confused about it at times, because I still sometimes get in my head around, what am I here to do? And then uh, also having a sense of that lovability and that self-worth, okay? Neither one is better than the other, but you work it a little differently because that center is the compass of your life, right? It's the compass, the steering mechanism. And it's actually a magnet. And the magnetic uh, energy of the identity center is one way and it can only attract. So you think of, you know, your center of your, the seat of your soul, if you will, magnet uh, attracting, magnetically attracting to you um, people, uh, opportunities, uh, lessons that are designed to keep you on the path of your own life, 
right? And sometimes the lessons are a reminder about how you got off course. Sometimes the lessons are because there's a balancing that needs to be taking place. But most of the time it is putting us, it's meant to put us in the right place at the right time with the right people and the right opportunity. But of course we have minds that can take us into different directions, and we also have will and the will can also take us off path and into other directions. So we have to be very aware of the identity center. And with Jupiter at gate two in the identity center, it's about allowing. I want everybody to put your hands out in front of you, just like open palms. You can even put it together and make a little you know, bucket or bowl out of your hands and just receive the bounty of the universe. You could even, if you just close your eyes and picture whatever it is that represents bounty or prosperity or uh, whatever it is that you feel like you're missing in your life, right? What are you missing in your life right now? Close your eyes and see all of that pouring into your hands and from your hands being receiving, allow it to move through your body, through your energy, be in receiving. That is Jupiter's power at the moment in our chart. And literally that, I believe it was for the rest of the month, Jupiter sits at the gate too. And absolutely all the way into September, through September, because oh, right, Jupiter's going to retrograde. Uh, so all the way through October 13th. On October 13th, Jupiter will change gates to the gate of gratitude. I just had this great idea. I think from now until October 13th, all of us every day, we just do this, right? We see our hands being filled, uh, our, our energy fields being filled with the bounty of whatever it is that you are wanting. Maybe it's more opportunities for work. Maybe it's more opportunities for prosperity. Maybe it's more opportunities for health. Maybe it's more opportunities for relationship. Whatever it is that it, that you're finding right now that you don't have enough of, Let's go through the hands open, make a bowl, receive, allow, right? Because, you know, sometimes we become the block to our own good. Don't block it. Open up to it and keep doing this because Jupiter is going to be here for a long time and not always in a square to the sun, right? Just right now in the square to the sun. So, and then... Once we get to the uh, October 13th, Jupiter will move into the 24, which is the gate of gratitude. You'll be so grateful for all of the opportunities and all the things that have come in uh, for you uh, that you'll be in, you know, this wonderful space of gratitude and joy. Okay. Woo. It's a date. Let's keep doing that. We'll check in on October 13th. That'll be a good day for me to remember too, because it's my husband's birthday. So I can't forget October 13th. So we'll check back in and I'll remind you from time to time. Remember, open hands. What are you receiving from the universe, God or source? It doesn't matter what you call it. And how are you taking that in and allowing it to be a part of you? All right. So that's the sun square Jupiter. Sorry, I got a little off course there, but you know what? It's cool. Now, the other aspect that is happening uh, and these guys, this is happening on the 9th. So now we're looking at what will be happening on Wednesday of this week. And Wednesday this week, we have Venus in a square to Uranus. And we also have Mercury in a trine to Jupiter. So the Mercury trine Jupiter is a positive 
the Venus square Uranus is maybe a little bit problematic. So let's break that down and see how that might play out. Uh, but first, uh, let me look at comments, shall I? Good morning, Gayla. It's good to see you. Tom says, uh, please send your prayers, Reiki energy vibes for my mom. Love and gratitude. We're sending it out. I hope your mom is okay, Tom. Good morning, Joan Durchy. Good morning, Sylvester. He says, we don't get that feeling of fall until September to October in Florida. Uh, yeah, but you know, that's because I'm up in this northern quadrant. You're down in the southern quadrant. It's different, right? Uh, later, I guess, for you is how we could say that. Tom, we're out of the collective shadow. OMG. Few, few, like, whew. Tom says, Janet, do you know anything about the Venus phases? There's one yesterday and two next week. There are uh, three next week, Tom, on the 4th, on the 6th. I'm sorry, those are... <laughs> Those are Pleiadian days on the 13th, on the 15th, and on the 19th, and on the 21st. So we're going through four phases, but all next week there are three phase changes plus the uh, star change. So we'll devote Friday's energy to looking, or Friday's show, to looking at that. Um, because it's always interesting to see how, because Venus is, is, is in a phase change, right? She's moving from the evening star to the morning star, which changes her whole demeanor, it changes her impact on our lives. It uh, changes up the energy that's available. And the star change is also of interest. And let's see, on the 18th, we'll have um, Pia and Colin with us from Pleiadian Earth Energy. And I hope, you know, at that point, because we'll still be in the midst of all these Venus changes that we, she can help us, uh, Pia can help us clear up uh, any um, confusion that we have about all of these changes. But remember, we're just these mere humans on this small planet, and we are feeling all of these changes as she goes through them. And Venus is an inner planet, and it's the inner planets that really hit us personally. When we have, say, you know, Uranus or Neptune or Pluto doing stuff, it's not that we don't feel it. We do. I can tell you I'm under a Pluto transit, and I'm not happy about it. Um, but it's those inner planets that really drive our personal experiences. So we pay attention when it's Mercury. We pay attention when it's the sun, the moon, and Venus and Mars, those inner planets, because they come in and affect us personally. Jupiter and Saturn tend to work on the level of culture or society. So we watch that for the things, the societal changes that we're going through or the culture that we're going through, the cultural changes, and those outer planets, the bigger picture of the collective um, think of that as the evolutionary energies that we're going through uh, as people right on the planet. So yes, Tom, to answer that question, that was a roundabout way of saying, yes, we'll work through that and be able to help people distinguish these different cycles. And of course, a good book for that, if um, you're all wondering, is this book called The Light of Venus by Adam Gainsburg because it's really here where he goes through all the different phases and the interpretation of those phases. And I want to remind you that each of you were also born in a Venus phase. And if your Venus phase from birth mirrors the one that Venus is moving through, things are more up in your face around Venus than they are, say, for someone who's not going through a phase that is in sync with Venus at the moment. So, all of us could feel it in a little bit different way, all right? 
Um, okay, good morning, TJ. Good to see you out there. Natasha, good morning. Um, Natasha says, interesting, some in their story see my being in alignment as ego. My mantra, I am not doing anything wrong, yet there is something I can change. I hope this balances the I and the we walk of life. Well, of course, because the nodes are also in the I am and the we are aspect, right? With the North node moving more toward the I am, the North node, the trajectory we're moving in and away from the Libra we are. But that doesn't mean that we're becoming more uh, selfish or more self-centered. It means that we're really learning to live from our identity and what it is that we're here to do, our personal path, and to apply that then to the um, collective, the Libran we are, rather than sacrificing what it is that you want or what it is that you do in favor of doing what you think other people want or what other people want you to say. So we're balancing that anyway. And frankly, you live on a physical planet. So the ego is here to help guide you into being your I am. Now, I'm not saying everybody go be egos, right? I'm not saying that at all, because you're also spirit in the body. Uh, but you you have to balance those two, right? Uh, hope that helps. Debbie Tibbetts to me all hello. And Christine Buckingham says healing prayers and energy for your mom, Tom. And that was also Debbie's message. So whatever's going on with your mother, let's wrap her in love and warmth and healing and um, hope she gets over whatever it is that is happening for her at this moment. Okay, let's go back to Venus squaring Uranus. Now, that's a challenging aspect because it can bring sudden change or disruptions or surprises to our relationships. Now, mostly our love relationships, right? One-on-one, -on -one, our significant others, um, but also, you know, to the people that we really value in our lives. So, you know, could be, you know, the extended family or your, your friends even, right? Who do you value in your life? Well, this is where sudden changes can happen along those lines, but also financials, right? The, the planet Venus rules our money and she's in retrograde. So there could be some struggle going on financially. This is a, a good time for a financial health check, right? To get in and dig in and, and see how you can reduce debt or how you can earn more money to help pay off debt or rearrange your debt. All of those kind of financial considerations are up in our faces at the moment and kind of maybe challenging us, but as well, our value and values, like your value as a human being and how you set that value for yourself and your values, right? Your, how you um, walk your talk in your life and in the world. So all of those things are up. So sometimes um, in any one of those areas can be impacted by uh, the square. And remember the square is challenging, right? We've got to play within the playpen, got to play within the boundaries of the square. And so it can indicate sometimes a strong attraction to another person, right? That we um, that that we're pulled to for some unknown reason, and um, that can be a problem, right? If you're, let's say, a married individual, and suddenly you are being attracted to someone else, that even for just a short period of time, and a choice that you make to say maybe have an affair could 
how that negative impact on your current relationship could be. Now, it's not just that, though. There can be a strong attraction to someone new that comes into your life that doesn't necessarily have to lead to a sexual relationship or a change in your current relationship, but it could be somebody that brings an aha moment or a broadening of your, uh, your belief system or uh, how you see yourself in the world. Um, but it could be also unconventional, unconventional relationships or something exciting, something unpredictable that happens in one of those areas of your life. Venus rules, of course, our values and our relationships and finances, but Uranus also rules something and that's liberation, right? He's the rebel, the contrarian. And later this month, he is going to be turning retrograde. So we'll have Venus and Uranus both retrograde at the same time, even if it's just for a short time. So it could be dragging us backwards into the past. It could be our wanting to shake off all the ties that bind. So we want to be very careful that we're not, what is that saying? Throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, we don't want to do things that are going to have a negative impact on our current relationships just to satisfy some need in the moment. We want to be very careful because the attraction the the may not last long at all, right? It's This is a transit. And we have Venus in retrograde. So we might also have that, you know, if you've gotten into a new relationship during this period of time where Venus is retrograde, Come September 3rd, when Venus turns back to forward motion, you may wake up out of some kind of dream going, what on earth did I think about this? Why did I do this? So we may have some need or desire within us to, to lib be liberated or to liberate ourselves from something. Uh, but we also can become more rebellious during this period of time. So it's a time for us to try to stay within the boundaries and to not let ourselves uh, do things today that we will regret tomorrow, right? So it might be a time for us to just cool our jets, to understand that this too shall pass. Um, but because some of the choices we make out of the uh, this energy can be something we we regret later or that causes problems for us in the long run. Um, now, remember, Venus squaring Uranus can make other people rebellious, restless, impulsive in their choices or actions. So you might also be at the other end of you might be the receiver of that from someone else in your life as well. So it always helps to understand, OK, people might be a little out of their minds. We have to work harder to stay grounded. And maybe that's why we have the preponderance of planets and Earth signs so that we can stay grounded during this kind of uh, upheaval of time. We may all be seeking more freedom, more independence, that liberation um, from the norms that we have in our lives, right? We want to do something more exciting. We want to get out of those ruts. But on the other hand, this aspect can become hugely creative um, innovative, right? You've got Uranus innovation and invention here. Um, originality can be at its height, right? Doing things in a completely different way, an unexpected way, but also a highly creative way. But also know that there can become there can be some instability, some tension and anxiety, nervousness. Uranus can, you know, uh, 
heighten our nervousness and our anxieties. So do everything you can to come to grounded, you know, meditation, yoga, think sitting on the on the planet, sitting on the ground, sitting on the grass. Don't do that if it's wet, <laughs> unless you want a wet rear end. Um, but grounding yourself, putting your feet even out there on the ground, very grounding and hopefully something that will uh, alleviate some of that nervousness or that anxiety, that tension that will be out there. Now, when we look at the gates in your human design that Venus and Uranus will be at, we can see a little bit um, more of what's going on. The planet Venus is at the gate four starting that day. And the gate four is on the Ajna. It's the mind, right? The, the part of you that we think of as the brain, the thinking, calculating, analyzing, memory, recall, all of that, right? The Ajna. And uh, the Ajna gate four is about mental thinking patterns. It really is about finding uh, answers to questions. Um in the, the more negative, it's the relying on the mind for answers rather than being more open-minded, but it's also possibility thinking. So on one hand, it can be that we have this answer and this is how we think it is. But on the other hand, we have to stay open to the possibility, like what if it could be this or that or something better? Uh, so we wanna stay open-minded and not close down our thinking but we also don't want to get to a point where we're so focused on what we're thinking about uh, or on seeking answers from the mind that, you know, we cut ourselves off to, you know, at the, at the neck, right? We want to be more open-minded. The gate four sees possibilities, right? Is it possible? What more is possible? That's Venus. That's where she is at this moment. And then Uranus is at gate 23, which is on the throat center. And the gate 23 is interesting because it is uh, the other half of the channel of genius, right? That 43 to the 23, which links the Ashna, the second center down to the throat center in your human design. And that gate is always so fascinating that both those gates, right, are fascinating because here's where our particular genius lies right? Your specific genius, right? And doesn't have to be linked to your IQ, right? IQ, like I'm book smart, but my husband can beat me every time at trying to be creative and fixing something or taking something apart and putting it back together. I took apart a cake box yesterday because it was my son's birthday and we had a, an ice cream cake. So I took apart the box. We had cake left over. So I needed to put it back together it was a disaster, right? I don't know if I put it together right or not. Finally, I just gave up and just put the cake in the fridge. So <laughs> we have different types of genius, right? Different types of genius. And what's yours? That's the point, right? Bringing out your genius. And at the gate 23, it's where you simplify that genius and you put it to work, right? You simplify, not make it more complex, but simplify it. But sometimes what happens in this gate, and Uranus might be the help here, is that we have, you know, the Ajna at 43 giving us all of this information, and we are trying to put words to it at the 23, the throat center, and we're having trouble putting it out there into words, 
right? I have the moon at gate 23. I know sometimes I see this brilliant thing, but how do I bring it into words? Well, the, putting it into words happens in the right time, right? You can't push it. Your brilliance is seen at the right time with the right people and the right opportunity. And that often comes with the invitation. So we have to remember with Uranus that we're just not going to blah out there and say whatever's uppermost in our mind and, and you know cause chaos for ourselves or jump into things or jump out of things. We were, we're gonna take our time and we're going to really understand when it is perfectly right for us to share our wisdom. And that comes with say, hey, I've been listening to you guys and I have a great idea. Uh, do you wanna hear it? And waiting for them to all say, yes. We wondered why you were so quiet. And then you're heard, seen, valued, and recognized for your contribution to that conversation or to uh, the putting out or the putting forward that idea that shows your brilliance. So Uranus sitting at 23 is having us all tap into our personal genius, right? And whatever that is, is what it is that you want to manifest or speak to. Remember the throat center isn't just about talking. It's also about manifesting. So what is it that you want to be? What source of creativity are you bringing forth? Uh, what innovation? What originality are you bringing into the world that only you could bring in? Only you in your genius could bring in, right? So there's that. And then uh, we also have the Mercury trine Jupiter. This is again on Wednesday. And Mercury, of course, the planet of communication, he's in his shadow period of his next retrograde. So if you're finding things blowing up on you uh, or breaking down or communication uh, being hard to come by, getting those words out, those thoughts out, uh, you'll understand Mercury is in the shadow. And it's sometimes the shadow period, at least for me, I always seem to notice that the shadow period of a Mercury retrograde or a Mercury uh, post retrograde are always the wonkiest. Um, I don't know if that's because my own Mercury is retrograde or not. So you have to go with what your own experiences have been of Mercury in the shadow period. So the pre retrograde we are in. And so right now in the trying to Jupiter, it may be that we are having our communication impacted. You might be having more, maybe you're having more luck saying what you need to say. Maybe you're having more difficulty wrapping your mind around an idea and getting it out to the world. Um, certainly, Mercury rules marketing and how we communicate in businesses, how we communicate interpersonally in our relationships. It also rules travel, uh, short distance travel, um, but the conveyances that take us on those travels, so cars and trains and planes and buses and all of that, and the snarls in the traffic and all that that happened because of, of are because of Mercury. So Mercury in the shadow, are we going to find something like that going on? So we want to, you know, watch out for that. But Jupiter, of course, remember, is the wisdom piece. He is the optimist. He is the part of us that is taking that good communication and blending it with optimism and wisdom and being able to share that. It's a trine, a trine between Mercury and Jupiter. So trine is a 120 degree angle. That relationship is a positive flow. They get each other, right? 
So we understand each other here. And people who have this aspect in their natal chart, if you were someone that had this in your natal chart, you're often the ones that are gifted with humor and have a curious mind and, and bring new ideas and information out to the world. Uh, so for all of us, we have this aspect coming in on Wednesday and we have the possibility that we can express our thoughts and ideas in a better way, but also be able to receive our th thoughts and ideas from other people, learning new things. But again, Mercury in the shadow. So does that mean going, you know, having conversations again that you've already had before, maybe clarifying things? Um, is it, you know, some idea that you had that ages ago that you're bringing back in? possibilities are endless here. Um, Mercury trine Jupiter also enhances the ability that we have to see the bigger picture. Sometimes Mercury gets us so focused in the small that now we can see the bigger picture, but maybe finding solutions to problems that have been evasive, um, eluding us, you know, the, the solutions. Um, but it can also bring opportunities for travel, for education, for publishing, for speaking, for teaching, for webinaring, uh, increasing the chances of our meeting new people that have a positive impact or a growth impact on us uh, because they might be from different backgrounds or different cultures as Jupiter rules kind of the other, right? The, the other countries or other cultures and other uh, races and things like that. So it's a very positive, uh, I think, expression. And when we look at the gates in human design that both Mercury and Jupiter are at, uh, of course, we've already talked about Jupiter at the gate too, allowing. So what new ideas might you be needing to allow? Opening your mind and allowing something new to come in. Um, being in the state of open palms, right? And allowing the, the bounty of the universe to come in here. Mercury at the gate 64, the very last gate in human design and in the gene keys, right? This is the, 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 the bookend of the whole thing. One begins the game, 64 ends it, brings it all together. And at the gate 64 with Mercury, we might have confusion. That's called the gate of confusion. It's called the gate of confusion because often what happens is ideas or um, knowing just drops in. And then we find ourselves trying to put it together so that we can communicate it or so that we can organize the thoughts. And it eludes us, right? That's a tough one with Mercury sitting at the 64. Don't mind the confusion if you have confusion. If you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to do what you need to do, all you need to do is wait because at some point, the other gate, the 47, by some person or maybe the moon's transit will bring it into clearness for you. It's the gate of epiphany or the gate of revelation. So Mercury sitting at the gate 64 brings in the brilliance, brings in the idea, brings in the, ah, I got this. Now, how do I do this? right? That, oh, now the how, it's the how that always trips us up and can cause us the emotional and the mental anxiety about how do I put this out there? How do I get this to someone? How do I make this happen? So rather than tapping into that confusion or tapping into that mental anxiety, sit back and just go, hmm, 
I'm waiting for the aha moment. I'm waiting for that one person that's going to say that one thing that's going to go, oh, that's how I'm going to do this, right? So while it's an awesome relationship that Mercury and Jupiter have, Mercury in the shadow can add to the confusion or add to the scattered thinking or loss of focus. And then also at the gate 64, create a little dose of confusion. The only way to get through that is to stop trying to figure it all out. The how isn't your job. How will come in a, and maybe a, an aha moment or an epiphany, a Uranus moment, right? So it's opportunity, it's optimism, it's possible new wonderful ideas that then are going to put pressure on you to try to figure out how do i do that resist that right resist that and that will take us through uh likely through the rest of the week questions tom says gate of confusion that's what the word is today hey hey confusion uh jayla we missed you too it's good to see you out there with us uh, all of the, all the pe all our peoples are gathering. Catherine, good morning to you. It's great to have you all with us this morning. So in the last few minutes, any questions about any of these transits, about human design, uh, anything of the moon, and I can answer those questions for you. So let me get this out of my way and look and see here if there's something else I want to bring up on Sunday, which typically I would deal with this on Friday. So let me just give you a heads up. Uh, we have uh, Venus conjunct the sun. So that's coming, right? Venus retrograde conjunct the sun. And that's telling us that we are halfway through the cycle of Venus's retrograde and things are going to, you know, kind of come to that crescendo point after that as she begins the last part of that retrograde cycle. I'm Tom. Oh my God. Uh, that is like this throwback to the past because he asked the question, when are we all going to get married? That's a question that a lot of astrologers, oh, it's it's really a joke that's not a joke because that's a question we often get. People want to know, when am I going to find the love of my life and all of that? And uh, then we find out the person doesn't go anywhere, doesn't do anything. And of course, then there was COVID where for two years, it seemed like no one was doing anything. Uh, so... It's kind of a funny question. Uh, Tom was singing Ball of Confusion in my mind, too. Oh, 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 oh. Was that a song you guys were singing in your heads? That's too funny. Um, all right. So let's do a couple. Let's pull a couple of cards for the week ahead as we come to a close today. And all of a sudden, I'm called to do a Mayan card and an animal spirit card funny combination all right so we're going to pull now this is for the energy of the week ahead and of course animal spirits are always good for us you know they give us uh, kind of totem support right and we get the scarab beetle spirit magic works through you card number 52 scarab beetle spirit look at that it's a pretty scarab beetle don't think that we have those anywhere around here <laughs> but they're magical nonetheless so let's take a look at what that means for us and that's card 52 so that's a seven there's a spiritual message likely in this and it says by the way when i pulled the card out it was upside down 
So that is in protection, but I'm also going to read the right side upside, right? So because this is a card that we're not very familiar with, I don't think I've ever pulled this in any of my broadcasts. So let's read both, okay? So in the um, positive reading, it is in ancient Egypt, the scarab beetle was revered for the creative magic uh, uh, for what? In ancient Egypt, the scarab beetle was revered for the creative magic of scarab beetle spirit reminds us that we can bring forth something extraordinary, seemingly out of thin air. Hmm. Whenever you let your creativity flow through you, Scarab Beetle reminds you that spirit has given you the gift of infinite potential. You have an ally as you fashion something new or repurpose the old. For spirit co-creates with you, channeling energy through you so that you feel replenished and vitalized as you make magic with what is at hand. Now is the time for great optimism for you can accomplish anything you desire and your creative endeavors will come to fruition. Miracles, opportunities, abundance, and love will appear seemingly out of nowhere as you allow spirit to work through you and magically manifest what you need. Now I'm going to read the protection message, okay? That, that because the card, technically speaking, came out upside down. Do you doubt your unique inner magic? Are you afraid that you have no originality or that creative juices don't flow through you? Perhaps you mistakenly believe you're not the creative manifesting type. Scarab Beetle spirit message is that creative creativity is a living force that comes to all of us from spirit who wants every person on the planet to manifest magic and co-create the world anew. You are as capable of resilience and innovation as anyone. If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. So draw inspiration into your being and begin to playfully create something new and do it without any judgment. Creativity and magic are your legacy as an expression of the creator. So let them flow through you. Great message goes right along with our Jupiter connections uh, this week and also Mercury and Venus too. All right. So that's our animal totem for the week. And let's draw a Mayan card. The Mayan cards can bring us a number, a universal number. It's very similar to the Pleiadian energies that way. It can bring us a, a day sign that uh, gives us possibly another animal or some energy that is helpful. And it can also give us a lens. And we get Imish, Imish, card number one. Hmm. Imish is the crocodile or the alligator, uh, the nurturer, right? It's a nurturing energy. And Imish, just one moment while I find him or her. All right, Imish. Uh, in common Mayan usage, it meant root or waters. Its qualities are the source of life, divine nurturance and support, primordial mother, undivided primal waters, primal trust and nourishment, receptivity, and self-love. That kind of goes along with the moon today being in the gate 27 and then 24. The symbol is a spiral vortex or on the, a spiral vortex on the primordial waters, dragon, also crocodile or alligator. And its shadow wisdom is issues of deep primal trust and survival 
lack of self-love, feeling unsupported by divine nurturance or unworthy to receive, betrayal and abandonment, the shadow transformation, surrender and trust in the larger pattern to provide what you need, open to receive. Oh my gosh, I can't make this stuff up, you guys. Communicate your feelings, desires, and dreams. All right, let's dig deeper in here. First, we get a little poem. Deep, dark, unfathomable, unfathomable primal waters. I am. Tenderly do I cradle in you the mystery of becoming. Receive nourishment from my primordial depths. Imish sounds a call in your life to go beneath the surface, to plumb your own primal depths. Go to the abundant wellspring of the life force to find the nourishment for which you yearn. In trust and receptiveness is found the source of movement. From the primordial waters of unity flows the spiral of eternal emergence. Allow others to give fully to you, for in that receptivity, the circuit of love is completed. The entire universe is made up of love. Give and receive. If you are not fully receiving the gifts offered by the universe, you can short circuit your connection with the natural spirals of growth. Give freely and unconditionally without attachment to how your gift is received. Of course, that's not your job, right? You give, they receive. That's their job. Uh, dip into the deep well of self and fill your cup with sweet waters. Offer this gift unconditionally. Trust in the situation at hand. Primal trust means making choices moment by moment with no guarantees. It means not trying to control the outcomes in your life. Trust your steering mechanism of heart knowing. Trust the transformational processes that are at work in your evolution. Call on Amish, the source of life, primal waters of creation, the root source, the primordial mother, to nourish and care for you. In truly accepting this reservoir of sustenance, you will have unlimited resources to care for others as well as yourself. Remember that you are always embraced in the arms of the divine, no matter what the exterior circumstances of your process or situation. In the shadow of Imish are found issues around trust. Do you lack trust in the universe to nurture you and provide what is needed for your journey? Do you feel unsupported in your life or caught in the struggle created by expectations? Any apparent lack of support actually bears a gift. You are being given a push in the direction of your primary being. Open your connection to the source of life. Trust in the wisdom and abundance of the life force. Trust does not mean acting blindly without awareness or waiting without action. It means moving forward with whatever manifests in your world. Primal trust implies the understanding that there are no mistakes and there are no victims, only learning, gifts, and growth processes on the way to remembering our wholeness. In the shadow of Imish are also feelings of unworthiness to receive or feelings of discomfort when others give to you. Feelings of unworthiness can stem from many places, but the truth is that you are intrinsically worthy to receive just because you are. Love just is, and because love is neither given nor taken, but rather discovered and allowed, you are a natural part of the circulation of its energy. If the card Amish has shown up in your life, you may be overly attached to being a caretaker, a cosmic mama, or a self-sacrificing source of support and nurturance for others. Look at how you may have abandoned your own needs and feelings for another. Don't expect others to intuitively know your feelings. You are responsible for communicating them. 
Whether you find yourself in the role of giver or the one in need, the shadow of Amish urges you to look at issues of self-love, basic security, self-worth, and the need for outside validation. You are being asked to step into the primal waters of your being to discover the core of your self-acceptance, your intrinsic value, your wholeness. Find the source of your emotions. Directly communicate your truth. Explore and honestly expect, express your feelings, desires, and dreams. Wow, I usually do not read the whole of those, but somehow it felt right to do that for you all today. So there you go, Imish, the cosmic crocodile, the cosmic mother. All right, that is it for me today. Thank you all for the reminders to one another to please hit the thumbs up button. If you are watching this on YouTube, if you are on Facebook this morning, hit the like button, but also please share uh, with your networks of friends and your social media. Most of all, take care. Thank you so much. See you on Friday. Bye.